Hello everyone, this um, it's Ian Vega here, welcome to another episode of Film Universe. And today I'm joined by a very special guest who I met in an event in SVA a while back, actually. Um, you've seen him work on, produce on projects like Revengeance, Last Day of Coney Island, um, Cheatin' and Full Metal Joker, and also... Uh, Cop Dog, and I'm joined by Adam Rakoff. Nice to have you a part of it, Adam. Thanks, Ian. I really appreciate uh, you having me on your podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm excited well, it's really, to uh, it's really great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, it's really great to have you here because, like, because um, we met, like, back in the SVA theater, like, that was mentioned. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. I think we actually, we first sort of met on Twitter, actually. Yeah. We met face to face after the New York City premiere of mm-hmm. Revengeance at the FCA Theater. That's right. After the screening, Bill Plimpton, the director, did a sort of meet and greet mm-hmm. and, you know, signed autographs and did sketches for everybody. Yeah. And uh, I got a quick chance to, to say hi. Yeah. Uh, not, but in, I was kind of helping Bill out, but I couldn't couldn't talk for long no yeah i had a bad uh to go quickly because like for me it was like i was still in college in my semester and i was like <laughs> i gotta wake up early in the fucking morning like four right. o'clock right um exactly yeah no because it was like i had um sva theater events like as notification because for me like for a person who wasn't in the school yet um, I just wanted to like get into the events, you know, like sneak my way in just to see like all the film stuff, you know. And right. I like I saw your Twitter. I was like, oh, let me get to know him, like get to know more people, really, you know. Right. Of and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I got there, I messaged you on Twitter. I was like, okay, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, That's oh my right. gosh, like I don't. Oh, I'm hoping he doesn't think I'm like some stalker on like the internet or anything <laughs> like that. But no, no, not at all, not at all. Yeah, it was, it no, because put a face to a name. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, because it's really good to meet other people from the film industry or animation industry. Because it, a lot of people say it, it's really important to like communicate with others who have the same passion as you, and I strongly agree yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah, I agree too. It's. Uh we all sort of feed off each other's creativity and mm-hmm. get ideas from one another. And, uh, and also I think it's important to sort of surround yourself by people who yeah. are that you look up to that, or that you admire, or even that you think are talented in a way that you're not like some in a, in a field, like you might be really good in one area, but this person knows something uh, that you don't know, because the more you're around those people, the more you learn, the more you sort of soak up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's so important to sort of not assume that you know everything and just surround yourself by as many people as you can that you can learn yeah. from. The, yeah, I mean, that's very on point, really, yeah. Um, and it kind of follows to, like, a um, an event that, like, usually happens in my college in BMCC, where it's, like, we have this film club, and, like, when I first went there, like, in the spring of 2017... I, uh, when I got there, everyone just looked at me because I was like the really shortest person there. I don't know. I'm like, I, I was short, but yet again, I was the oldest. So it made me feel, <laughs> but it was like everyone 
and I don't know why, but it just made me feel like such an old man because when they ask me about like my history with filmmaking, I just go all in. And I think like to yeah. the point where they just fall asleep because I have just so much stuff to talk about. And then like, can you <laughs> just get to the fucking point? <laughs> but yeah. yeah. So yeah. So today, that's Adam. That's good though. That that that's good. That means you're passionate. That means yeah. You actually you care about something. I I would much rather talk to people who care about something and are passionate about something yeah. than the people that have no opinions that don't really. Care. It's like yeah, those people are boring. You know. Yeah. No, and it's also. Talking? It's also like people need to be more honest because I've been noticing like this pattern really where people are like, oh, I, this person's from my industry and this person made it to the big leagues. Let me go and kiss their ass. And honestly, I think right. that's not the best thing because it's like you can be like, for example, you can be someone who's like 20 and you've been in the film industry and you can be next to a guy who's like, I don't know, in his 50s. And you can have a lot of knowledge at a young age, especially with film changing around this time. Oh, yeah. And right. it, it's kind of like some people look down upon you because of like your uh, it, like the amount of films you worked on or like how young you are, which is not always the best thing, really, because sometimes um, like some old filmmakers can learn a new trick. And so, but. Oh, exactly. And yeah. I've, I've worked with many older um individuals that work in the industry whether they're mm -hmm. you know editors or or technicians and a lot of them do get sort of um trapped in the old ways of doing things they don't want to learn a new software program yeah. or they don't want to learn how to operate a new camera you know they really sort of feel like they know what they know and that's and they're happy with that and they just don't feel like uh, they just don't have the the drive i guess to sort of embrace yeah. some of the new technologies or new tools and, you know, that's not, that's unfortunate. So mm -hmm. at the same time, younger filmmakers, I think, need to be aware of the older tools and how things, where everything has come from yeah. in order to appreciate and understand the newer digital tools. So mm -hmm. it's a, it's a two-way street. And I think, as I said, we can all learn from each other, yeah. um, at, you know, regardless of age and or generation. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, especially because, like, I've had a couple of professors from my film major in there, and they asked me, like, oh, like, what do you do for film and stuff? I'm like, well, I make films, I screenwrite and all that, but I like to read books. And one professor who I'm not going to say his name because he'll probably one day listen to the podcast, but <laughs> um, he and it's not just him, like, there was multiple people, including people from the film club that I went to when they asked me, because I always ask people, like, what what books do you recommend? Because, like, I don't know. And I'm aware there's a word called, like, for book, people who are obsessed with books called Bibliophile. But for me, I just put my own twist and call it Bookaholic. And <laughs> for, because there's so many books to read, especially for the film industry, like, the nearest Barnes & Noble, like, they have so many books. And, like, I think Barnes & Noble the one that's near my college is noticing me going to the same direction. So like every time I go there and I don't see a new book, they just see me walk away and like, like, in, like there's a cloud over my head, but <laughs> yeah. people are like, Oh, don't read books. You just got to go there and experience. And I'm like, well, that's fair enough. But you know, there's so much knowledge you can put in a book that a lot of people don't really understand. I mean, there's a book that, uh, a person from Cartoon Network, Daniel Chong, recommended me on Twitter, and it's called uh, On Filmmaking. 
And it's from what the book is said, it's like a book that they used heavily in California Arts Institute. And I read a lot about it and it was really good. So I think it's like some filmmakers need to understand that there are books out there that will teach you a lot, really. And sure, they they can't just like rely too much on like going out there and doing because you can just go out there. But if you don't have the knowledge to like help you out, you're basically need fuck you're basically be all fucked up and no one's going to hire you really, which sucks really. Right. Right. Yeah. I think books are very valuable, especially when it comes to the history of filmmaking to really learn where the industry has come from and it's go and where it might be going. Mm-hmm. It's really important. That's something you can't, you can't really learn history of something by doing, you know, yeah. doing yes, is very important going out there uh, and just making a movie um, just learning by doing certainly those are those are good um, you know kind of paths to take if you want to learn how yeah. to do anything um, but there definitely is a, a role for for reading and mm-hmm. for just acquiring as much knowledge and information as possible about whatever it is that you're that you're passionate about so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm all for reading and maybe a, <laughs> a better term for for uh, someone who loves to read is a book buff like a film buff yeah so trademark but anyway adam uh we're gonna be covering a topic that i feel like needs to be covered now because of the new movies that have been released and recently baby uh posted a trailer for the new uh solo movie during the super bowl Mm -hmm. so what I'm interested in talking about today is a comparison between the old and the new Star Wars movies that are coming out. Um, a lot of people are in mixed reactions about these films, and it's honestly amazing, but it's very scary though because with comparison to the old one, they're so iconic, and a lot of people believe that they should be left alone instead of making these sequels. And with the new ones, really. A lot of people have a lot to say about it, but it's to the point where it's splitting the audience so much. So my question is, what do you believe is wrong with the new Star Wars movies that are happening now? Like the ones that are coming out, like from Force Awakens, Rogue One, Last Jedi. Um, do you, What do you believe is something wrong about these new Star Wars movies that the old ones like didn't do or anything like that? Well, I don't know if I would even use the word wrong. I, I would use the word different. I mm-hmm. think that they are different and um, in a number of different ways. But the the new films are being made by new filmmakers mm-hmm. new uh, that are of a new generation, a younger generation, that actually, in many cases, grew up watching these original Star Wars films mm-hmm. and was inspired by them to become filmmakers uh, and tell their own stories. So they're, these filmmakers are coming from a very different place than George Lucas was and the other filmmakers that created the original trilogy were coming from. So I think as a result, they are going to be different, and some people will deem different to be bad, and some people will deem it to be good, and some will be sort of indifferent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I find the new films to be very enjoyable. I think that they are, um, without a doubt, they are, there are flaws mm-hmm. in them. And uh, I think that 
there are flaws in the original trilogy as well. But um, I think that these these flaws, in my opinion, don't make them bad movies. I think that you, it's just up to the audience to, in a way, adapt mm-hmm. to the new direction that the films are going. It doesn't mean that the old films have been ruined. They can both exist, I, I believe, in uh, the world. And if people don't want to watch the new films, that's totally fine. Yeah. You know, and I totally respect and understand uh, the various criticisms of the newer films, in particular, uh, the the many concerns of The Last Jedi. I, I had some of them as well, but I, in my opinion, it didn't ruin the film for me. The things that I didn't like or thought would been handled differently they were they weren't enough to ruin the film for mm-hmm. me where it it did for many it did it did for many people um ruin star wars as some people have said or ruin luke skywalker and things like that yeah, that so, one was very uh, shocking to hear people say that yeah. it ruined luke like yeah a lot of a lot of people felt that he was sort of out of character and mm-hmm. I, I actually that's that's the one area that i actually disagree with a lot yeah. of the the criticism i i think that he is a different character now he he is not the i mean anybody in their 20s is not going to be the same person in their 50s or 60s yeah they're going to have a lifetime of experiences that will shape them and mold them and in fact i think many people as they get older do get very disenfranchised and mm-hmm. disgruntled with life, with family, with work, you know, and it's just not uncommon. Yeah. Um, so they mostly I, I do something that, like that yeah. in Logan, which is like uh, Wolverine, that he used to be a much more charismatic, but like also a ener- somewhat energetic. I mean, it's Wolverine, but then when you see him compared to Logan, he just pretty much hates everything that moves. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, yeah, so I, I wouldn't say that there's anything wrong with them uh, or that they're doing anything wrong. I, I think that they're just taking the films and characters in new directions. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, not everyone's going to agree with that. Yeah. And that, I think, partially has to do with the fact that all of these fans, and I'm one of them, I'm a big Star Wars fan, <laughs> Yeah. all of them have many... Uh, different ideas, their own ideas in their heads as mm-hmm. to what uh, should happen or where characters should go or what characters should do or who characters are, you know. So you're never going to be able to please everybody in a situation like that, unfortunately. Yeah, because uh, it's fact, too I, much. I, yeah, and in fact, I think the the first film of the new trilogy, Force, uh, Awakens. Force Awakens, I feel like the main criticism of that film was that it was too much of a of a carbon copy of yeah i was gonna mention that the new ones are so, kind of getting um somewhat compared to the old ones the the original trilogy to the point where it's right. kind of too similar yeah so the original so that was a big criticism of mm-hmm. uh of force awakens was that it was too similar structurally to a new hope yeah um, and and that and that was what people some people didn't like about it and then, of course, Force Awakens comes along and doesn't do what people expect. It goes in a direction that is unexpected and doesn't follow structurally 
you know, the Empire Strikes Back. And and people are upset about that too. So it's almost like you can't win yeah. with a certain uh, in, with a certain audience because you know when you're too close to the originals, it's a copy. And when yeah. you go too when you kind of veer too far uh, off course uh, and go new, kind of exploring new territory mm-hmm. with these characters, then it's it's not Star Wars anymore. You yeah. know. So th- again, this isn't my exact opinion i'm just sort of paraphrasing things that i've Mm -hmm. heard from others and read no yeah it is it's a very challenging situation i think for the filmmakers because how do you find that balance where you can appease the sort of hardcore purists yeah original fans yeah but also right but also find a way to to make them new and different and yeah. and give the film and give each of these directors a chance to have a voice, a new voice mm-hmm. um, for these characters that take the films in, in unexpected and different directions. So yeah, um, yeah it's, it's tricky. And I'm actually, uh, you know, I'm very proud of Brian Johnson, the director of the last Jedi. I actually had the, um, the, uh, the pleasure of getting to know him a little bit <laughs> nice. early on in his career. Uh, yeah. Back when he was promoting his first film called Brick with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, mm-hmm. um, if you've never seen it, check it out. It's from like 19, it's from 2005. It's sort of a high school film noir film, very independently produced. Yeah. Um, really, really interesting film, very original. Um, and I was working for Apple at the time and was able to work on a series of of events that we called filmmaker talks yeah. and uh, we, we were, uh, we were fortunate enough to get him into uh, some Apple stores to talk about the making mm-hmm. of that film and also about the, uh, his follow-up film called the brothers bloom, yeah. um, which uh, was also very good. So, you know, I, I think he, but I could never have imagined this young guy, would go on to direct a Star Wars movie. I think that's a dream a lot of filmmakers, young filmmakers wanted to, especially the ones who who grew up seeing the movies at a young age, regardless of what generation. Because if you're just like, oh, I directed or I was an editor or hell, if I was, you know, a background character in Star Wars, like that's something you would want to have on your achievement list. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah, and they seem to to have handed him... uh, you know, the keys as well to future Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. He's developing a, another Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, the new unconnect- another trilogy. Unconnected, you know, no relation to the, the Skywalker yeah, saga. Yeah, that was some a lot of people were very upset about because people are, who grew up with not only the original trilogy, but also the prequel trilogy, and there's always a Skywalker because right. you had Anakin and Luke, and now the new trilogy, it kind of has the original uh, Luke and Leia, but now with the new trilogy, it's like, okay, is this going to be a prequel of the old Republic? Is it going to be like a, like more forward into the future? And not only that, but it's like, what characters are we going to see? And will there be any characters from the original comics, like Kate Skywalker, Jania Solo, and all these characters that a lot of people have a huge following with, especially in, uh, comic books or in anything really so it's more or less like what would the new trilogy bring but also will these characters be more connective and more real to the ones that everyone grew up when they saw the original trilogy 
Right, right. So it's yeah, a very a hunch, big gamble. Yeah, I have a hunch that they're going. They're going to take this in a whole new direction mm-hmm. without any of the characters. I mean, we might see species, you know, Wookiees and other characters, you know, sort of uh, alien life forms that we've seen. Let's in just hope films. it's not another but, Jar Jar Binks, so we'll be fine no, with that. Yeah, exactly. So I have a, yeah, I have a hunch it could, it could perhaps be take something that takes place simultaneously mm-hmm. uh, in another part of the galaxy while events in these films uh, occurred. You know, there's a lot of different potential, um, sort of like the way, uh, you, know, the wa- uh, you know, there's The Walking Dead and then there's um, Fear of the Walking Dead. They're kind of, the storylines are somewhat concurrent. They're yeah. both covering the same sort of outbreak, um, but in different parts of the country. So that 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 could be one approach. I don't know. But mm-hmm. um, there also was news, I don't know if you saw just yesterday, there was news that the creators of Game of Thrones, uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, are going to be developing another Star Wars trilogy for Disney and Lucasfilm. So this yeah. is not replacing Ryan Johnson's trilogy, but he's still developing that. Mm-hmm. But this is yet another uh, Star Wars uh, universe um, addition that's going to be developed. So it seems like Disney is really trying to say to the world, that Star Wars is not just Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, yeah. you know, R2-D2, C-3PO, Darth Vader, that this is a massive universe it's, with it, many stories to be told. Yeah. Um, all different types of stories, perhaps, not just, you know, dr- dramatic stories, perhaps some com- com- you know, comical stories, perhaps some that are, um, you know, you know more, more horror-based. Who knows? Yeah. You know, there could be a lot of different directions they could take some of these stories um but again fleshing out that universe even further and sort of uh just really creating that cinematic universe something that obviously marvel has done an incredible job of doing with their um with their films under the guidance of kevin feige you know he's just been able to create you know they're they're approaching i think 20 films now that all are many very different mm-hmm. in tone, but they all sort of explore different characters that are part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that's, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the that's the the hope is that they're going to be just really creating a rich universe of of unique characters. That I mean, they could be... create a rich universe, but the only problem is like, and this is like a a, a belief I have, like pretty much, but like. I'm wondering, is Disney milking the Star Wars franchise too much? Because they have these new movies coming out, the new trilogy, and not only that, but the marketing for the from what we saw from the Last Jedi was ridiculous. Like everywhere, there was posters. Um, like in any comic store, they would just heavily market the shit out of this, and I'm kind of surprised yeah. that in Times Square they didn't have like every poster and every taxi in all of New York just have Last Jedi. Yeah. But it's more or less like with the new Star Wars trilogy coming out, the new solo movie that just been released, and not only that, but they're also releasing a Ben Kenobi uh, backstory, which will take place in between Episode three and four. But and not just that only, but there's also a rumor that they're gonna make a Netflix series on about Star Wars, and some believe that it's gonna be about the Old Republic, and right. with all that really. It kind of sounds too much because 
like you said, they want to make the universe big, which is good, but it's also kind of scary because when you milk it, when you expand it too much, it's going to get tiring and some fans would get a little bored from it because some people would believe, well, they're just making this shit up as they go. But it's just like Disney is taking it too much, really. And I think they, what they should try to do is like give it a break and then we do something or try to give it a break because it's kind of feels like every year there's something new about Star Wars. And I mean, like George Lucas, from what I don't know what he might be thinking, but like, I, it's also like, what do you believe like he is going through knowing that his entire franchise that he created is getting so heavily pushed down everybody? But it's like with all these new filmmakers coming in, directing new, new Star Wars movies. It's like, can they match the same magic that George did when he first made the movies? But it's kind of very scary, though, too, because yeah, some people believe, like, with The Last... Mostly with The Last Jedi, because that one had the most split audience I've ever seen in a film. Because some people, like, on Twitter, YouTube, anything, really, social media, a lot of people are like, oh, this movie sucked, or oh my gosh, this was the greatest Star Wars movie ever. And there was so many, like, split. It was just, I gotta see this. Because, I don't know why, this is me personally, but if there's so much controversy or, like, so much hate on a movie, like, Emoji Movie, I'm like, I gotta know. I gotta see it. But, yeah. when I like, when I first saw the movie, I, um, in my mind, I'm writing down 14 good things and 14 bad things. And I covered the movie on my, pod, on my podcast. And... From Last Jedi, it was mostly, like, bizarre. And then with Force Awakens, it was just too much, like, New Hope. But with The Last Jedi, it was a mix of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, which was very shocking. And because it was just, like, you expect to see something new, and then you see the same type of formula overused. So it's just, like, with these new directors coming in, can they like do something differently? But and there's like hardcore fans out there who really wish that the new films can match or like in a way of saying it, the new films can be more bigger than the original trilogy. Cause like if you had to do a comparison like way back then in the early two thousands between the original trilogy and the prequels, the original trilogy overshadowed the prequels from what a lot of people say. Um, right, but it's it's one of the most frightening things, really, and it could go down for any franchise, really, if they're done carefully. And with Star Wars under Disney's like branch, it's just like, when will we get a break from Star Wars? Because, um, like I have a family member, my uncle, who's just like obsessed with Star Wars, like my God, and <laughs> like. From a fan who watched the original trilogy when it first came out, it's just from that person going to like now, because he's like in his late 40s or something or early 50s. And it's just like, will it still be the same, though? Or like, is it going to get better each movie? But it's honestly frightening, well, really. I, yeah. So I think that's part of the, the challenge right now mm-hmm. is that everyone wants it to be the same, you know, or they want it to be better. And again, as I said, I think it's more about it being different. The films evolve as we do. You know, as we grow up, our tastes change, our our feelings change. 
um, you know, famously Steven Spielberg has said about Close Encounters of the Third Kind that he, if he were making that film today, he would never have had Richard Dreyfuss' character, Roy Neary, leave his family to go up into this alien ship. Mm-hmm. You know, he could never leave his family. You know, that, that, that's, that, that would be horrifying. But as a, as a young guy in the 70s, he felt so passionate about the movie and about what would it be like to go see another alien, you know, an alien civilization that he thinks that, you know, his, the character would do anything to learn the truth, you know, mm-hmm. to learn what's out there. So we all change, we all evolve. You know, as I, as I was a young kid growing up in the 80s, I mm-hmm. was desperate for more Star Wars. I mean, I, I think I would be, uh, I, the, the kid in me would be <laughs> so excited that there is, is this sort of plethora of Star Wars content coming mm-hmm. out right now because there was nothing. There was this huge dry spell between 1983 you know, and 1997 when the special edition films came out. Yeah. And all there really was were these sort of, um, expanded universe comic books and novels that video you know, games, were not really, all that, really yeah, they weren't fill it up, yeah, they put exactly, but they weren't really official, you know, no one really knew if they were, yeah, they so, weren't canon now, or anything right. really. So, we never really knew if we were wasting our time reading these books or, or comics because we didn't know if it really mattered. And, uh, and now, of course, when Disney acquired. Uh, Lucasfilm, they declare that all of that content that exp- is now part of this Star Wars Legends, um, yeah. you know, um, franchise that is non-canon, um, it still exists, sort of like in a parallel universe, if you will. It's like these are things that could have happened, but it doesn't officially fall into the the Star Wars canon. They kind of said that only the original trilogy and the prequels and the Clone Wars animated TV series up to that point were canon and everything that they've created since, which is a lot. I mean, they have comic books now through Marvel, which I've been reading and I think are fantastic. That yeah. are all part of the canon. There's the, you know, a lot of different novels that expand upon the, uh, you know, they fill in gaps. You know, there's a new novel that recently came out called Phasma, all about that character and it kind of tells us who she is and, uh, you know, elaborates on what we see on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there's the animated series Rebels, and there, which is almost, which is in its sort of last season. I think there's a, a final series of episodes coming up shortly in a month yeah. um, for that. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, of course, there's a whole new initiative called uh, Forces of Destiny for Young Girls, which is basically more kid-oriented stories about the female characters in the trill in all of the films really i've all never heard of that that's all. new to me yeah it's for younger girls it kind of seems to empower them and make them see that you know you don't have to be a boy to be a hero you know yeah they they're they're adventure there's a cartoon as well as a comic book series and a novel and a series of, of young you know um younger reader novels so you know this to me what this is as you said this is like this bombardment of content. But what Mm -hmm. I think they're trying to do is provide options for different fans of different ages. That's what happens when a franchise like this has been around for, you know, coming on 50 years. So you have so many generations of fans that want different things. Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter, I have an almost five-year-old daughter, and she watches the 
the Star Wars Rebels animated series with me, and she likes the the Forces of Destiny show as well. Yeah. And that's her first entry point into Star Wars. She doesn't know anything else that is Star Wars to her. And so I think Disney is actually being smart in that sense in that they're trying to say that you as a consumer don't have to consume all of this, mm-hmm. but we're giving everyone a choice. We're giving everyone lots of options um, because not everybody is, you know, a 40 something year old person that grew up watching the original trilogy uh, on the big screen. Yeah. There are a lot of younger viewers out there from all different ages. I mean, a lot of people grew up watching the, the Phantom Menace with their first film yeah. in the trilogy, you know, uh, first star Wars experience. So again, I just think that, um, yes, it might be a lot, but I don't see it as being, too much because it's just it's like saying are there you know if you're a sports fan are there too many you know too many different sports and too many different games to watch well no you watch what you want to watch you know yeah. you all the teams you like and you 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 become a fan of you know a certain team and and you get attached to that team and but it doesn't mean that you have to watch every soccer game, every football game, every baseball yeah. game. You know, it's just it's just sports. And it's mostly for Wars, people you know? who are very passionate about it, really, because people want to see the franchise that they love for so many years. And you have people who go to Comic-Con to, like, uh, create artwork or, like, cosplay right. as the characters. And it's just, like, with these characters so in touch with them and, you know, have passed on from generation to generation you want to like see the best out of them. And right. for, I think or for some people, it's mostly like when they see it at, at their worst, but like it depends on their perspective because people have different perspectives on like a, a certain character or a certain franchise. And right. it's mostly like when they want to reveal to their children the franchise, they want them to have the same spark they had when they were young, but it's just like so different. So it's kind of like a war between the younger audience and the older audience who grew up watching it. Because right. you have the older audience who have so many years and experience, and then when they face something new, it's kind of scary for them because they think that it's just not, it doesn't match. But then when you reveal it to the new generation, they kind of see it as a different universe. So it's kind of like, right. what universe path do they follow? And it's very hard, really, for anybody because everyone wants to be happy with the franchise that they love so much. But, like, unfortunately, not everyone can be pleased. And that's what it's been showing with these new Star Wars movies that a lot of people believe that it doesn't match. It just doesn't have the same energy that the original trilogy or even the prequels had. Yeah, Um, I mean, again, again, I think that it's all, you know, from what from where you're coming from you know from Mm -hmm. where as you said you know if you're an older you know member of the star wars fan base or a younger one everyone has a different sort of entry point and a different sort of perspective on what they're seeing i don't think anything can ever fully match or fully live up to a feeling you know there's an old expression you can't go home again and it's kind of true you you never really go back and recreate that experience if you were there in 1977, seeing Star Wars in the big screen for the first time, I don't think any film can recreate that. Now, there have been different films, non-Star Wars films, mm-hmm. over the years that have been 
that type of movie for a lot of people. But the original Matrix, for a lot of people I know, was their Star Wars. You know, it was so groundbreaking when they saw that as a teenager, they just couldn't believe, and they wanted to get into filmmaking and special effects as a result. So every generation, I think, has a certain film that sort of pushes the envelope and just inspires so many people to want to make films or be a part of that process. Um, and, and I just, again, I don't think that we'll ever have a Star Wars movie that fully lives up to the, yeah. that, that emotional reaction that we had watching the first trilogy, especially mm-hmm. the first and second movie. Um, so I guess that's, that comes down to expectation. You know, what, yeah. what are people's expectations? If they are in a place that is unrealistic, you're going to be disappointed. There's no question because yeah. you just can't achieve that. But if you have lowered your expectations to a certain extent, I think it's, you can go in and enjoy things for what they are. And that's kind of how I, I think I even said this to you. I think I, I liked The Last Jedi for what it was. You know, yeah. it wasn't what I expected. Um, there are flaws in it, no doubt. No, yeah, absolutely. And Structurally, you know, I didn't think the middle section really was necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but, you know, I, I, but at the same time, I, I don't agree with all the criticisms. I agree, no, I agree yeah, with some of them. No, yeah, same. And, you know, one example is, <clears throat> for me at least, was the uh, the force projection at the end? You know, some people thought that was amazing and so cool. Oh, when Luke like were... created a hologram of himself in a way. Exactly. Pre- yeah, that was awesome. Himself. I thought that was really yeah. good. And people said this is so out of you know left field. Oh my god, never been explored before. But actually, the funny thing is that it actually was discussed in a book called The Jedi Path, which came out like eight, nine years ago. And it's sort of like a, a book, like a a book that talks all about the Jedi and the Jedi history and the Jedi yeah. training. So like the and it's part Jedi of the lore, canon. And, would, yeah. and in, in a very obscure passage, I can even read it, it, it says um, the headline is Doppelganger or Simul Futurus uh, permits a Jedi to create a short-lived duplicate of himself or herself or an external object that is visually indistinguishable from the real item. Those mm-hmm. who have perfected this ability can create phantoms of any person of their choosing or trick an enemy into seeing more objects, such as droids, than yeah. are actually present. So it's right there in the canon uh, of the Jedi you know, um, history that this is a power that the Jedi can um, like, utilize yeah, if they, they know how. It. Yeah. If so you notice, also the the Jedi like force power evolves throughout like the entire franchise because you have lightning, uh, force, right. like totally like changing of their minds, and now yeah. with the holograms, it's like every movie there's always something new with the force, which is something that I I think a lot of people don't really notice because they just see the right, force like as they, like oh he levitates this or oh he he does like mind tricks that's it but if you notice right it keeps evolving which is honestly a good thing and it's kind of good it's like a breath of new air because you want to see what the force can be able to do with all these changes happening because when i saw like the 
the hologram of Luke. I thought it was actually him, but then when they revealed that was a hologram, I'm like, holy shit, that's fucking awesome. Like, the force (laughs) keep changes every time. And that's something people should like, which is, um, like, there's always something new, like, getting delivered. And from, like, from what earlier I was covering, that some people wish, like, oh, why can the new movies be like the old ones? Well, you know, it's mostly, like, it's good to have the theme of it, but you want to add something new to it, really. Right. And Because if you just right. do, oh, the Force just levitates stuff, well, if it was just that, the Force would be really boring and no one would really take the franchise like good, especially with, when it comes to the lore between the Jedi and the Sith. So it's right. more or less like with all these new things getting introduced, especially with the Force, it kind of makes you think, well, what else does the Force do? Does the Force, like, create life? Does it create planets? What else can the Force do? And that's what makes right. people so intrigued about the Force, but also keep the franchise living, which is, like, they question more. And that's something, um, I believe, like, one... I don't remember his name right now, but, like, a filmmaker who I met a while back told me, like, if you want people to talk more about your franchise, you have to, like, introduce new things but don't really explain it that much let the audience members like question it and they'll continue questioning it because you don't want to give the answer to like right there so it's like with all these questioning about like the force stability it makes the franchise continue on and with the new trilogy coming out it's like okay what are we going to expect are we going to see the force create something like life is it going to create a another physical being an army like what else can the fucking force do and it's like oh shit it's pretty awesome really and with the new because i was gonna say like earlier with the the last jedi i didn't think it was bad i didn't think it was the greatest i thought it was decent i mean it had its flaws it had i counted there was like 14 good things and 14 bad things which was very even and yeah because i'm writing it down in my head and then when i'm when right. i got home because i saw it like on christmas eve out of all days and <laughs> yeah the crazy thing about it and this is just like on a side story but like it was my first time going on an imax theater and i'm like fucking hell the theater the movie screen's so fucking huge and i'm like in the front row so i'm like i'm gonna break my fucking <laughs> neck watching the yeah. movie and right. I didn't realize it was in 3D. I just, I was walking around Lincoln Center. And I was like, yeah, let me just go see a movie. It was good. And when you're purchasing a ticket online, you're in, you're online. You're like, okay, what do I watch? Last Jedi or Shape of Water? And you're like, oh shit, they're so good. But yet there's so much to say about it. So I got to cut. And no, that was like, I got to cover something on my podcast. And sure. It was, um, and we're going to discuss about it next, which is our thoughts about the new movies, the each one of them. Um, but with Last Jedi, it was okay, but there were some things that were questionable. But after thinking more about it, you can argue about it on, this, on the original trilogy, most specifically uh, The Last Jedi. And the, one, the point I'm bringing up is, um, a lot of people were pissed off, basically, about uh, Snoke or Smoke's death. Because they thought, well, right. we hardly know anything about this guy. He was in Force Awakens. Yeah, and people, and even myself, thought, oh my gosh, this is fucking Titan. And you thought, oh, that's a, the biggest Sith I've ever seen, but it's a hologram. You're like, oh shit, I wanted to see a giant lightsaber. But it's more yeah. or less like, people were upset at like the fact that we he got killed off so quickly. Because he was in one film. 
and then he dies in the next one when we see him. And it was... You can say the same thing for the Emperor, because before the prequel even began, like, let's go way back to, like, when the original trilogy was on. Way before the prequel came out, uh, people... Like, I don't know anybody who complained about the Emperor dying, because we didn't see him in New, Ho in New Hope. We saw in right. Empire Strikes Back for, like, a brief moment, which again, was a hologram, which was the only time we saw him, which people need to understand that they did the same thing in Force Awakens, because they show a hologram of the Emperor, and that's it. And then when they introduce him the next time, he's sitting on his throne, and then that's when he dies. So, it's more or less like, you can't say that Snoke wasn't really that bad, because maybe the same thing happened to the Emperor. So, And the Emperor gets well, yeah, like, and, one of the and, biggest praises as a character. Right, and and the Emperor in the original trilogy, as you said, we never really learned who he was, where he came from, how he became this master Sith. And until we, don't we got any the of that prequels. Until, until we get the prequels. So yeah. as much as I as much as I agree agree with the criticism that he was killed up too quickly and we don't know anything about who he was or where he came from, I actually agree. I would love to have known more about him or understand mm -hmm. where he came from, who he was, all of that. Uh, maybe there's more story there. You know, maybe that's something that just hasn't been told yet, and w it will come back around. Who's to say he's really dead? I do think he is. I do think that they they killed him off. I but mean, the, the he got time, cut in half, and the whole plan, yeah. planet got exploded. Well, but and at the same time, though, um, Darth Maul in the Phantom Menace gets cut in half. Oh um, yeah, and he gets robot legs. And, yeah, and yeah, exactly. He comes back in the in the in the canon stories in the mm -hmm. animated series and comic books. So, who's to say? Possibly but, might come back in the Kenobi movie. It, yeah, who's to say? There could be a, a prequel or another expanded universe sort of film that touches upon who he was when he was younger yeah. it's just there's all sorts of possibilities just because somebody is gone doesn't mean that we're not going to learn more about them in the future and it's not so only that I, too but they also like in the original comics when the emperor died he cloned himself so he came back right so they so could probably do the same thing with this character there's so many you know star wars much like comic book superheroes Sometimes characters don't stay dead. <laughs> yeah, you know? so, no. It's, oh um, my gosh! Even I, the ones who die, they just come yeah. come back. Because Ben Kenobi right. died, and now look, he's getting his own fucking movie, which is awesome, right. really. Yeah, and he'll and you know, and Luke will probably be back as a Force Ghost in the yeah. final installment of the trilogy. So characters die, yes, but they are they really gone? No. Mm -hmm. And I think that one thing that I just want to touch upon is that. You know, again, the criticism about not my Luke, I think, again, is somewhat unfair. I definitely initially felt what people were feeling. Yeah. This isn't the Luke that I remember yeah. back in 1983. Um, and I want to see him wielding a lightsaber and being a kick-ass Jedi. But yeah. I then started to realize that the message of the film, uh, and there's a great CNN article about it called The Spiritual Message Hidden in Star Wars. Um, and this sort of ties back into the differences between the original trilogy from the 70s and today. Uh, the original trilogy was really something that was tapping into where we were as a country at the time. The, you know, America was a lot of people were exploring 
uh, Eastern traditions such as Buddhism and Taoism. Mm -hmm. um, and people were, um, you know, that's a lot of what inspired Lucas with, uh, with the Jedi and the Force and all of that. Um, and that was where we were as a culture at the time. Today, we're sort of in a shifting area where a lot of younger people, millennials in particular, um, are sort of denouncing organized religion and saying that they're spiritual. They have their own spiritual beliefs and mm -hmm. relationship perhaps with, with God, but that they don't believe that organized religion is the answer anymore for them. Yeah. Uh, not everyone, but a lot of people. And the numbers are, are increasing statistics show um, with every generation. And I think that's what this film was sort of tapping into, the fact that the Jedi Order really, and there have been comics and other books that have touched upon this, was really not a good thing. Like their intentions were good, but it was an organized religion that established itself. I mean, the Force didn't tell people to do this. They formed this religion of the Jedi Order and made up all these rules, you know, that Jedis can't have attachments and they Jedis can't have families and, you know, all of that. Yeah, even and I'm thinking that's kind of, that's stupid. Like, why? The force, yeah, the Force <laughs> didn't tell anybody to do that. Just like, you know, the Force is kind of like their God, you know, and so just like say the Catholic Church, you yeah. know, the, the the Pope and priests, they're not any different than you and I. They're they're people. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, they're, they're all like people. The Jedi are people. They don't have any stronger connection to God than you or me if you believe in God. Yeah. But that's that might be what they're trying to say, you know, is that in this new film is that the it, it to be strong in the force is separate from being a Jedi. That in fact a, the Jedi doctrines and rules are a hindrance in your ability to really be one with the Force, to be close mm -hmm. to God, you know, to be close to whatever you worship or believe, or, or you know, whatever connection you have with, uh, you know, a spiritual side uh, uh, of your life. So that the Jedi Order perhaps really is dead in that sense, in that it yeah. it had its time, but now people all over the galaxy will start to, to tap into the Force and have their own relationship with the Force yeah. that has nothing to do with the Jedi Order. And it's kind so of like a way of like getting out the old but bringing out a new generation of Jedi, but right. having the same belief in Jedi, a way you know, of the Force. They're, right. They're, they're, they're Force-wielding in that they understand the how to tap into the powers of the Force, mm -hmm. but they're not beholden to this sort of ancient set of rules that the Jedi, you know, and again, I think that's what Luke was realizing towards the end is that a Jedi shouldn't be a warrior. A Jedi shouldn't be maybe in self-defense, but a Jedi, just like in many martial arts, like Taekwondo, which I used to practice, was awesome. a completely defensive uh, martial arts. Like yeah. there are no um, offensive attack um, um, forms, it's all about how you can defend yourself and then counterattack. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, Luke didn't want to be involved anymore. He didn't want to be responsible for any more lives being lost. Uh, and I think it was sort of brilliant in a sense that he was able to use the force, not being a Jedi, but use the force to essentially take care of the situation at the end of the movie without yeah. ever raising a lightsaber without ever firing a gun without ever fighting 
before without ever, you know, having, he was, he used the force, the power of the force in his mind in a peaceful way to bring about a resolution. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sort of a, a really powerful thing to, in a way, evolution of, of, of the force in that the force can be utilized in a nonviolent way to resolve the conflict. Yeah. And that, you know, for him to go out with anger and have a huge lightsaber battle, yeah, it might be awesome to watch. And I frankly was hoping to see that, but I kind of like this approach now that I think about it more. I like that he was able to take care of things in a, in a way that never required him to, to have uh, like violence physically, but like, right. Yeah. Um, so, for me, it's more my point of view. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, for me, it's, I was really impressed by this Luke Skywalker and it kind of follows a theme where I'm kind of calling it the broken down hero. And because yeah. they do it and they've done it for many, um, and it's not just like Disney. No, there's like many projects. Uh, they've done it in Adventure Time, The Walking Dead, The Last of Us, uh, especially in Logan where they have this broken down hero who in their prime had like this amazing lifestyle back then and people grew up watching and then when they see them all disgruntled and like broken it's just like so depressing and it kind of makes people mad because from what people saw Luke Skywalker they saw him as like you know the kid who was just like all energetic and you know kind of an underdog if you would but like when you see him the next time after like Return of the Jedi and for so many years later, you see him in Force Awakens, you're like, holy shit, it's Luke. He's he's old and you're like, oh my gosh, when, what does he have to deliver in the next time we see him? And then when people see The Last Jedi, it just it switches them off because they're right. so used to the character being this type of way. But when they're introduced to like this new side of the character, it kind of turns them off in a way that they're like, this is not the character. Like, who the hell is this? And I think personally, it's it fits well because from the backstory that the movies delivered, you realistically that's what someone would be like if they went through so much shit like that. Because yeah, yeah, you if you have like the character who went through so much war and you know so much heartbreak, you don't think that person is going to be all holly and jolly. I mean, rarely, but <laughs> it's like with Logan. Like Logan's a perfect example, and I keep repeating him. Um, but it's just, it makes sense because when Logan sees all of it, like, and he's even mentioned this in his, in the movie where he mentions that every person that he cares about dies or like anything that he, anyone that he loves, bad shit happens to them. So it's more or less like that's happening. And he's in the backstory in Last Jedi, they show, um, like, oh, my nephew betrayed me because I saw the force power in him and it was just too much and the damage that he caused it's just broken down him so he's to the point where he's uh, isolated from not only the force but to everyone and it's kind of weird also and this is also a negative thing about the film where if they wanted Luke to be like outcasted like he doesn't want no one to be around him then why is there a piece of the map that they had to to get to BVA to give to R2 of like, oh, locating him. Because it, it kind of doesn't make sense, really. It's like, if he doesn't want to be found, why would he pe- uh, make a map right. of how to find him? So it's kind of little. Uh, 
classic MacGuffin, you know. Just, yeah. It's just there. It's just a tool in order to get the characters where they need to go in yeah. the story. Al- it... Although, you know, for maybe maybe Leia made the map. Maybe Leia was the only one that knew where. I'm. Who knows? I, I mean, I'm. Maybe that will be explored in a comic book or a novel at some point. I I'm think not, what they should have done. It, but... I think what they should have done is like for Ray, she's being attacked by the. Like, she's being attacked by the Empire, oh no, the First Order, and <laughs> she's being attacked and she, you know, crashes her ship on a planet she doesn't know, and that's where they could have introduced Luke, because if they had no map or anything, and again, that was too reminiscent to New Hope, which was basically the main plot, like, they have this map on a droid and they need to get it. So, if they did it in a way like, oh, it happened by accident instead of, like, tracking him down, it would have made sense, and it would have fit perfectly of introducing Luke. But, it's just, it's just, like, some plot holes that really don't make sense, and I have one plot hole that I really want to, like, know your thoughts about, which involves Princess Leia. Now, in The Last Jedi, this is something that a lot of people, like, hate, and... To be like quite frank, this was something that made me really question like what were they going with, which was right. the scene where um, Leia, the ship is uh, gets hit and Leia's like floating in space, and not only that, but like on a sidetrack, it was very uncomfortable looking at that scene because with Carrie Fisher passed away, it's just like oh shit, now we see this is the last film we see her in, and we see her in that type of state, so it's just like uncomfortable in a in a way, but. Right. She's floating in space and she's getting like frozen a bit and then she's alive. And then yeah. and people call it Superman Leia because she just breathes it off and just uh, flies to the the nearest ship and I thought that was just so random like they didn't explain anything. And it's not just that but it's like okay, we get the fact that Luke and Leia are related. They're both powered by the Force and even Yoda acknowledged that in of one of the films, I believe, last uh, Return of the Jedi, and yeah. we never really see her do anything with the Force. I mean, even if she like lifted up something little in Force Awakens or did something brief, we'll be like, okay, she's done. She's used the Force. We know that she has the Force in her. But then when they're out of nowhere, out of the blue, you're thinking, well, how did she live? But more or less, like it doesn't make sense, and it kind of follows to the the conversation topic of introducing new things to the Force. So it's like, okay, the Force can create a field around her that can make her breathe through space and reject all this, like, firepower, which is great. But it's just like we never see Leia do anything with the Force, even if it's little. So they could have at least introduced something in Force Awakens that, yeah, she knows the Force, so it would have been much easier. Well, yeah, so I I'm, am a little torn about this. I, I definitely understand all the criticism, and I initially was a little bit sort of uh, mm-hmm. off-put by it. Um, but after, you know, again, thinking about it and also reading some comments, comments from fans and even from Ryan Johnson, the director, yeah. um, it, it kind of clarified the fact that, and this is just the explanation, not saying I totally buy into it, mm-hmm. or not, but that she you know, that she was in a life or death moment and people actually can live in the vacuum of space for, you know, like 60 seconds. Like you don't, you're not actually, she never was breathing. She was just 
freeze starting to freeze, but yeah. that sort of an in, in like an instinctual uh, ability, um, sort of like adrenaline that comes up, like in these stories where a child is caught under a car and a mother lifts the car up to save their child. Like it's sort just of all Superman on it, yeah. Like, yeah, like that these things can happen under extreme duress and that she was about to die. You know, she was freezing and losing, you know, had no oxygen and that some ability that was in her with, with the force sort of called to her and helped her pull herself into the ship just in the nick of time. And as Ryan Johnson has stated on, uh, on Twitter, there's the space is a vacuum. So it would take virtually no power to give her just a little nudge. And then she, you know, the um, inertia of that nudge would put, bring her into the ship you know, without any additional exertion on her part. So that was sort of the explanation is that there, that she really didn't know she was doing this, that mm-hmm. it was instinctual that, and that she really did not do that much um, beyond just sort of reaching out with the force towards the ship. And that kind of pushed her towards it. And then the inertia brought her on board just in time, again, freezing, holding her breath, about to die and that's why she goes into essentially a coma yeah. um, after that point because she's still human um so there is sort of an explanation for it. again not saying i totally am buying every aspect of it yeah but i do i do like that explanation it does again a good film shouldn't require all that explanation from the director in my opinion mm-hmm. but it does help me to understand and believe that she could have done this under those you know specific circumstances yeah i agree with you that it would have been nice to see her using the force in some shape or form Mm -hmm. but again i think you know previously but i also think that part of this film was part of the message of this film is that we all have the force in us Mm -hmm. some of us can tap into it just like we all have some you know you know, whatever um, spiritual, you know, whatever way we we want to lean, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, if we believe in God or we believe in, you know, afterlife, whatever, you know, people have it in them. You know, everyone has that in them. We're all part of this universe together and we're all connected and that some people have a knack for tapping into that, that power, you know, or chi, you know, in, in Eastern, um, you know, philosophies, they believe in the, the, the energy of the chi, you know, that people can do amazing things with that, that energy. So, which is, again, something that inspired <laughs> Lucas, the original yeah. trilogy. So I just think that, that you know, at the very end of The Last Jedi, you see that young boy, without even knowing it, just kind of grab, you know, uh, use the force, yeah, that... the the broom, you know, and so that I think is a sign that people all over the galaxy have this force power that they can tap into this this energy of the universe um, without needing to be a Jedi, without yeah. needing to be part of that religion, you know, the religion that it used to be this exclusive order that you had to kind of commit yourself to, like becoming a nun or a monk. Not only that, but it was and also like why, bloodline, you know? really, with the Skywalker right, family. Exactly. And that was, in a way, that's very discriminatory, you know? It's mm-hmm. like saying if you're not part of one of these bloodlines or if you don't have show 
the, um, you know, if you don't show at a young age that you are really strong in the Force, then you can't become a Jedi. That would, now, like, that would really suck if that happened, like, yeah. in today. It's just like, oh, you can't be a Jedi because you don't have the butt. Like, fuck you! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so maybe that's what people don't, maybe people are offended by the fact that this film has sort of made the religion of being a Jedi sort of a, an evil thing. <laughs> you know, it's sort of made, it's like trying to tell people that their religion is bad or yeah. that it's wrong. Like, you know, how can you say that to somebody? So, uh, and a lot of people really, really love the Jedi order and everything it stands for. So, um, this film kind of says, no, the Jedi order is, is done. <laughs> and, you know, that's a big theme of the film, you know, that let the past die, yeah. uh, kill it if, you, if necessary. Uh, so, you know, that, you know, our biggest issue on, in the film really is not those sort of creative choices as to where the characters were going or where the, the force was utilized or how it was utilized. It was really more, um, structurally the sort of central plot of them leaving that chase to go to Canto Bite and, and then trying to get the Benicio Del Toro character back there. Like, oh, that whole thing was was unnecessary in a way mm -hmm. because the plot didn't work. Like, it, did, it didn't end up working anyway. So it just felt like a lot of filler for a movie that was already two and a half hours long. So... I mean, that was, that's strange to me. Usually in film, there's a rule called the rule of conservation where everything in the film is there for a reason. Like it yeah. all adds up. Like you don't want any waste. And to me, there's a lot of waste in the middle there because the actions of, of you know, Finn and Poe end up leading to nothing. Really. Yeah, you that know? was very they, pointless. Like you have this character who's introduced to Finn and she's just there. Like, there's nothing really important about this character. Yeah, so it just felt to me that there was a lot of uh, unnecessary... And not that I don't like seeing the Star Wars universe expanded. I, as I said, I read the comics and books, and yeah. I like the cartoon shows. I mm -hmm. love seeing new worlds and new, new species and, and just sort of getting to see the rich tapestry of the Star Wars universe, that's always fun. I love living inside that Star Wars universe, but from a sort of structural filmmaking standpoint, it did feel as though it, it was, the film was a little too long. Yeah, uh, it because was. Of, because of that central section that really was just kind of drawing things out. Again, mm -hmm. if their actions led to some important results, you know, that was necessary for the plot, it would be better. But yeah. It, it just didn't... It was just the, too the, many yeah. side stories that just yeah. took over the main focus, which was uh, the relationship between Ray and Luke, but also right. with Kylo, because they have been hinting that there's some type of bond with Ray and Kylo, which some people feel kind of skeptic about because it has people thinking, are they related or is there right. like a romantic relationship? Like, what is it about it that it's... And the backstory of Ray's parents not... Oh my gosh, that you was... Know, that's another one that people are really upset about. And I agree, I wanted to know something more. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I get it. I get where they're coming from. If it's true, because who knows, maybe... 
maybe Kylo is maybe he really believes that, mm-hmm. but it may, maybe he doesn't really know. I don't know. I mean, that's yeah. something that we we find out later on. It's something again, that kind of bothers to, me too, because they it kind yeah, of be it like it, they change it because in Force Awakens and. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, they show, like, a little backstory of Rey, and it's, like, we see someone leaving off a ship. Well, we don't really know who's in that ship, but then when she goes to that, in the island where she's at, she goes to this dark hole, and she sees, like, a mirror, and you have all these reflections of her, which it kind of, I don't know why, but it kind of made me think of, like, Twilight Zone a second, when she just has all these reflections of her, looking at the same direction and doing the same motion. And then you have this entire mirror where it just reveals the answer. And you're like, well, what does, what is so significant about this like mirror in this cave? It it does it connect with the force. And that's also another thing is like, do objects have their own force field or like something like that. And when they reveal that she doesn't have parents, I'm like, okay, she has to have parents because she's not like, she just came out of nowhere unless she's a clone. But then again, who was the original person? Well, they say they say she had, she did have parents that sold her. They were junkers. Yeah, they, were they were. Uh, um, but like you know, again, that's what Kylo was led to believe. Mm-hmm. I think through the Force or through Snoke. I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly how he gets that information. But perhaps he's wrong. You know, perhaps his he, his visions were clouded. I don't know. So, but but it does. The reason why I think it's true is because it does fit in the narrative that that of the film that you don't have to be of the line of of a, a Jedi lineage to be strong in the Force. That they're all over the galaxy. That everyone has that potential, and that you don't have to be part of that loose order of the Jedi to to be able to to have those instinctual abilities to use the force. So that does push the the series in a new direction and yeah. allows the series to explore and feel force wielding heroes in the future uh, that aren't part of the Jedi order anymore because it's gone. You know, the Jedi, is, uh, the order is essentially um, dead. So, and I think that's what the title, I think the title is correct. I think the last Jedi is Luke and Ray will never be a Jedi. In this is just my opinion, mm-hmm. but she will and could be one of the most powerful force wielding individuals, you know, uh, ever. Is it, it just we just don't have to give her the title of Jedi. Yeah, um, like something new. You know, that's like that, it's like the word priest. You know, someone could be that's their title, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that someone else couldn't be just as you know knowledgeable in religious teachings and and not be a priest. So Mm -hmm. I think it's just, it's all about, um, you know, sort of, again, pushing the the franchise away from Jedi and into sort of a a new space where, um, again, the ending of the film with the little boy, to me, that's, that's, that sums it all up. He's a boy that has heard, the legends of Luke Skywalker all across the galaxy, and those legends have inspired him to perhaps do something more with his life. And if he has force abilities, he might be able to to actually make change happen, you know, within mm-hmm. his community or his world or wherever. So yeah, it's a 
I, I know we're we're getting hung up on last night, <laughs> but it's such a hot topic, hot button. No, yeah, right especially now. with the so, whole controversy about the film. Like it's yeah, so, so crazy. And some would argue that the controversy itself signifies that this film is doing something important. Yes. That it it you know, that a film that doesn't spark controversy isn't really saying much. Mm-hmm. You know? A film that that does so that divides its audience so much tends to be there's it's doing something right in one way because it's creating a conversation yeah and no one would talk about you know i mean people did debate films like justice league and and other you know um genre films they just, mm-hmm. of course they all get debated but not to the extent that this is <laughs> That this film is, it just basically causes a war between fans of like the same franchise, whether it was good or right. bad, and people have different perspectives of like that's how right. good or how bad this movie was. But they try to defend right. it in a way that they just yeah, want to put some justice. Right, and I think that's part of the problem is that I don't know why. Much like with religion, I'm sorry to keep going back to that. No, no, analogy, go ahead. But um, it, it's much like with religion. Why is it? necessary to, if you like the movie let's say mm-hmm. um, why is it necessary to make everyone else like it too if they didn't like it that's okay no it's yeah like if you believe in if you believe something um if you have a certain affiliation to a certain religion why do we have to go out and convert everybody around us to be like you just mm-hmm. if, if that's what if that's important to you if that's what you believe then great more yeah. power to you it doesn't mean everyone else around you has to agree as well. And and uh, on the flip side, if you hated the movie or or just didn't like it, um, what does it matter if someone did? You know, what does it matter if someone enjoyed it? Everyone has different tastes. Not everyone likes the same foods. Yeah. You know, some people like spicy foods. Some people don't. Yeah. So <laughs> if, if there, it, you can't. Uh, you know, everyone has opinions. Everyone has. Um, Mm-hmm. their own, you know, things that they like. So just let people have what they have. The fact that it's becoming such a sort of a war, as you said, between these factions of Star Wars fans is really something I never thought would happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm shocked at. I, I, I don't choose to get involved in that war. I simply, and myself, continue to explore what the film means to me, you know. And yeah. again, it's not the best Star Wars movie. It's somewhere in the middle probably for me. But there are some things that I really liked about it and some things I really, you know, could have done without. And but, you know, I still consider myself a Star Wars fan through and through and much like a, a much like a a diehard, you know, fan of a sports team, you know, they they, they used to say that a true fan will always support your team even when they're you know not doing well i don't think know? i don't think uh, a lot of people are going to be saying that after the results of the super bowl with the new england patriots oh well right <laughs> like a true a true patriots fan that's a good example or a true boston red sox fan or yeah. whatever, yankees fan they if they're true they used to say they will stand by their team through thick and thin you know, yeah they and they'll even die with them they'll even die with them right that's right. And if you're if you're not if you turn on your team as soon as they start performing badly, then you're not really a fan. That's yeah. that's kind of the the expression. So I kind of feel like I'm in that camp of I'm a Star Wars fan through and through. Uh, and some things, uh, some movies, 
some books, some comics are better than others, mm-hmm. but I will always support the franchise and, and yeah. continue to watch it and continue to enjoy it, um, even when there are faults and mistakes that they may make and they may stumble from time to time. But I'm always going to be excited to see what comes next and, and uh, you know, with it sort of with an open mind and to see where they decide to take the franchise in the future. So, uh, you know, again, I'm not defending when they make mistakes because certainly they have. Um, but I, I still think that overall the films um, are, are enjoyable. You know, yeah. like it's like if you have to give a movie a thumbs up or a thumbs down, if it's, you know, if it's that black or white, I would, give every Star Wars movie, uh, even the prequels, I would still give a thumbs up because I just enjoy Star Wars. Now, yeah. It doesn't mean that, that I don't think that there are parts of them that are horrendous, like Jar Jar Binks. And, oh my God. You know, funny uh, and a thing is that other, a person who after, worked yeah. on Jar Jar tweeted me yesterday and he was telling me about that he worked on Jar Jar and I'm he apologized for that because he saw the yeah. tweet of like, oh, that you're going to be on my podcast. And he mentioned that to me. I was like, all is forgiven. It's fine. Yeah, um, I know. I think it's what you're, that. yeah. But what you're basically like, and I kind of feel the same way too with like other franchises. It's like, regardless of what like new things come, you're still going to support it. Because the same can be said for me, like when it comes to the, the, the Godzilla films, like, yes, I grew up watching it my childhood, and when the new movie started coming out, especially with the, the 2014 one, like, yeah, it was great, it had its flaws, but I'm still supporting it, because this is, like, something I'm very passionate about, and... That's right. Yeah, yeah it's like, yeah. and if you're not, if you talk shit about it, it's like, okay, give it a break, I mean, you still love it, but if they're like, oh, I'm gonna turn my back on it, well, then you're not really passionate about it, and... I think it's, like, something fans need to, like, realize in questions. Like, how passionate are they for this franchise? Because you see people, like, cosplaying, making their own comics, and, hell, filmmakers making films about it. Even the ones who are starting off, like, when I was, like, when I was starting off my career, there was a short film that I posted, like, on YouTube a while back. Unfortunately, it had to be taken down. But it was like, I wanted to make my own Star Wars movie, and not only that, but with the concept art of, like, Ralph McQuarrie, I was like, I wanted to remake the entire Star Wars original trilogy, but with the designs that the concept artists used. So, it's more or less like, all these people who are very passionate with something need to question how dedicated they are. It's more or less like a team, if you would. It's like, even if the team's doing good or if the team is doing uh, doing bad, do you still want to stick with them? And if you don't want to stick with them, then that says that you have a certain following to a, a specific team, if you would. But right. it's more or less like, if you're passionate about something, you will accept the good and you will accept the bad. But in the end, That's you're still right. going to support yeah. it. And I've done it with the Godzilla films. I'm like, yeah, the 2014 wasn't the best. I had some good things about it, some bad things about it, but guess what? I'm still supporting it. And right. honestly, it's one of the, it's something people need to realize about like, and it can happen to any franchise, even if it's not about films, if it's about like a music artist, a painter, an author, anything in life, if you're passionate about something and you can accept the good, you can accept the bad, 
then you're perfectly fine with it. And that shows how much dedication you have for the franchise, but also accepting for the good and bad of it because you want to see it at its prime. You want to see it get better. And right. you, I mean, don't get me wrong. You can critique it and give it like negative sides to That's it. That's right. But it's like I, you want to see it get better. It's kind of like it's kind of like raising a child in a weird way. It's like yeah, the it won't he or she won't you know be good at school that much, but you want to see them get better. And that's what some people can apply with the franchise that they really like so much. They just want to see it get better. And right. if they're fine really with you know, it has its pros and cons. Yeah, anything. There's not every film that has ever existed is not perfect. Every you can say like every film's not like Citizen Kane great, but they're still good. I mean, yeah, every great film has its negative flaws, which is fine. It's not perfect, but if you're fine with the negativity of it and you're fine with the positivity, you're one hundred percent good with it, really. Right. You know, it's kind of like pizza. You know, some uh, you can love pizza. Some pizza is amazing. Some pizzas just okay it's not great but you're still gonna eat it because you like yeah. pizza you know yeah and, uh, it's like if that's something you love regardless of the quality of it you're still gonna it's still it's like a scale but you're still on a scale that you enjoy you know mm-hmm. that no matter what it, you know no matter how bad that slice of pizza is it's still pizza you're probably gonna yeah enjoy it's the it same for thing it, for what it is so i feel like there's a i agree with you that um, a lot of the fans, like, are they really going to give up on Star Wars because they didn't like Black Jedi? Are they not going to see the next film and not going to see Solo? Probably not. They're probably going to keep going. And that's because they do still like Star Wars. They just, it just took a turn or a direction that they in their heads weren't expecting or mm-hmm. weren't imagining. And I do think this, and there have been some articles about this, has a lot to do with YouTube and all the fan theory videos that have oh started popping up. Yeah. Um, there's so many of them, and they start to create huge followings. Like one was that Snoke was actually Mace Windu. That Mace Windu what? played by Samuel L. Jackson in uh, in the in the tr- the prequel trilogy. That he, after he was you know attacked by the Emperor with Force Lightning, and his hand was cut off. That he's you know he's pushed out the window. And that he never died, that he was all mangled and scarred and, and from the Force Lightning, but that he, because he was such a powerful Jedi, uh, and many, you know, um, stories about Mace Windu say that he was the, the, the most powerful lightsaber um, combat, you know, uh, lightsaber. He had, the, he had, he had the, the best skills with lightsabers in terms of combat uh, of anybody, oh even, more than Yoda, even more than Yoda. Um, and so, and, and he in fact did beat the emperor. He would have won, but of course, Anakin interfered. Yeah. Um, he was the only one that potentially could have beat the emperor in a lightsaber duel because he was the, a master of, of, of that art form. That is a anyway, crazy conspiracy. So that, like even I yeah, haven't heard so about that one. Yeah. And they show, they show uh side-by-side comparisons of his face and Snoke's. And these videos got millions and millions of. I'm just waiting for Snoke to just scream "motherfucker" in the movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
these motherfucking Jedi's in the temple. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Exactly. But no, that. So I, Wow. That's just an example, but I feel like, you know, these ideas start getting everyone excited and like, oh, what could it be? Where where did he come from? And Who it kind of falls to you questioning. Know? That's what it is. Because that's something yeah. people want. To keep a franchise alive, you have to, like, not give the answers too much. Because they do that with cartoon shows today. They do that with movies. Yeah. And crazy thing about it is that for a franchise to be, like, very old, people still question all these things like is um is luke blah 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 or anything like that and that's what keeps the franchise alive and it kind of falls to like well star wars is still alive because the fans are keeping it alive because they're making like you said right. conspiracy theory videos and the comics but it's mostly like how the fans are trying to question things and that's what makes the franchise keep long and then when they reveal I, a I, new movie, exactly. it might answer some questions. And you can say the right. same thing with The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, anything. It's just like right. if people keep questioning it, you're basically have their attention. And then when they reveal, yeah. when they make a new movie or a new episode or anything like that, it's going to get everybody to go see it. And it's like, and sometimes it sucks because that, uh, well, they don't reveal it, but it makes you... It introduces you to new things. So you're like, okay, here's another question. And here's another theory and another theory. It keeps the franchise going, which is great. Exactly. Lost is a great example. They just keep adding questions. And when they answered one, they you got two new questions. So, And again, that was very similar in the sense that the answers to the questions were never going to live up to the fan theories <laughs> or, or sort of hype that was being built up. So in the end, fans felt let down because the, there was too much anticipation for what was going on for it to ever be able to live up to that. Yeah. And the uh, I think that that's part of what's happening now. Uh, and it really comes down to, I think, because the original film, The New Hope, there weren't really a lot of questions being asked in that film. There wasn't a lot. It was just a story. It was a, a hero's journey great fun adventure story pulled from a lot of sort of uh, mythological um, stories and films and Flash Gordon. Uh, second one continued that journey, but it had this big reveal at the end, this big kind of amazing moment where you find out that Darth Vader is Luke's father. And of yeah. course that yeah, at the time was groundbreaking. Everyone, you know, it's been considered one of the most, you know, shocking moments in film history. Even no to the point where it gets it. introduced to the new generation and even these younger audience members are still shocked about it when parents show right, their kids. Right. And they even post videos think, in on YouTube. Right. I think the problem with that that twist though is that it opened the floodgates for all future Star Wars movies that you had to have something like that. You, know, you mm -hmm. needed to have that kind of twist ending that so-and-so was really so-and-so and they really were alive all along. Like everyone was, you know, trying to figure that out. <coughs> Excuse me. In yeah. uh, the prequel trilogy, when that came out, I remember there being all these theories that because they were, again, looking for that type of twist. Mm -hmm. After the Phantom Menace came out, all these theories were floating around the internet that perhaps Obi-Wan, the character played by Ewan McGregor, was really Anakin, and that Anakin's character, played by Hayden Christensen, was really Obi-Wan, and that there was going to be this whole role reversal where 
um, we find out that they sort of take on each other's um, personas, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 like, where is this coming from? Like, it's like these are the fans trying to come up with that I am your father moment that doesn't yeah. exist. And unfortunately, with The Last Jedi, I think that they were trying to not do that, trying to not give you the obvious, like, oh, look, Ray is really so-and-so's daughter, you know, because that would be a copy. That would be the same thing again. Why would you do that again? So I think they were trying really hard to not go in the sort of expected direction of having that type of of um, twist with, you know, the parentage. But I think there, the twist really, if there is one, is that Luke was able to force project himself across the galaxy and, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, take care of business without ever leaving his island. So, yes. I mean, that, that's, sense i think the, that's the twist moment when you finally realize he was never there all along yeah because uh, there are a lot of little clues to it too i don't know if you noticed but when he's on that planet he makes no footprints um he also looks younger he has a more of a goatee beard um so he's more of an idealized version of himself mm-hmm. he's not the old gray-haired version he looks more like he did when he was training the younger kylo ren so i think that they were um, they were giving you a lot of clues <laughs> yeah. to that he wasn't really there without actually, um, you know, in watching it a second time, you, you see all those. I got to see it again hints. then. <laughs> but yeah. Oh man. Uh, boy. Anyway. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, yeah, it's a tricky one because people are so passionate and mm-hmm. everyone is coming from a different place. I just want to say that, as I said before, I made a comment before <laughs> that, even the prequels, I I would give a thumbs up to. Now, I just want to qualify that and say, I think The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, from any other standard, are not very good films. <laughs> um, I think they're filled with problems with acting, with story, with visual effects issues, um, things I didn't really like. Mm-hmm. But... Because they're Star Wars, somehow they still, and they're part of the canon, somehow they still have to exist, and yeah. therefore I have to, I accept them for what they are, mm-hmm. and and can still actually enjoy watching certain parts of them. The, the the lightsaber duel at the end of Phantom Menace is still one of my favorite lightsaber duels. Oh, Duel of Fates, um, playing in the yeah, back. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's great, great music. There's so Double lightsaber. So many cool and Shit. good things. Yeah. To balance out the bad, you know, it's like the, the dark and the light side of the force. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I did, I did, like, I, I still do say that the uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith is a pretty solid film. Oh no, it's um, yeah, to me know, that's the most. Home, that's like the home run of, of that trilogy. Of, yeah, yeah. Of that trilogy. Oh man, but, but no, Star Wars it keeps changing, and I'm looking very forward to the what the new. Kenobi and Han Solo movie and also what the trilogy has to offer really and yeah. I'm not hearing a lot about this one but like I'm thinking will the new trilogy be about Ray's parents yeah that's a very good point I don't know there is it they don't that's the great thing is they're not there's no time restriction it can go back in time it can take place at the same time as things 
are happening mm-hmm. you know in the current films it can take place in between these films or after them for all we know so there there's a lot of you know opportunities to explore different times yeah. and places within that universe um you know they could make a film i mean i think the obi-wan kenobi film for me is probably the one i'm most anticipating oh that um, movie looks I, I'm, I'm very intrigued to know how they're gonna make yeah like obi-wan b and correct me if i'm wrong the original actor who played obi-wan in the prequels is returning for that role yes ewan mcgregor uh, has stated many times that he would love to come back uh, to play the role and in this case it would be sort of an, uh, an older version of himself yeah not quite not quite as old as obviously alec guinness was in uh in the original film but mm-hmm. somewhere in between and yeah there's there's a, like a 20 year gap there maybe 15 years i'm not sure oh, maybe exactly. longer yeah uh yeah i'm not sure but there's a lot of potential in that time frame you know to sort of see you know it could be a lot like um you know, a film like Unforgiven, you know, this, this warrior that is, you know, again, it's very, it's similar to, to Luke on the island or Yoda on Dagobah, like all these, all three of these characters sort of follow the same path where they were once great at what they did, but then through horrible events, they were sort of pushed out of the limelight and into um into hiding if you will yeah and you know even yoda i think people people love the empire strikes back but he does the same thing as luke does in the last jedi he is a bitter old hermit (laughs) that hasn't (laughs) left that planet in decades yeah and he he doesn't want to help luke at first he doesn't want to train him and really he never ever regains his armor glory he never has another lightsaber battle like no. the one he had with with um the emperor uh, in episode three the emperor yeah which was like that was his crowning moment in a way of showing off his skills as a jedi mm-hmm. but it was all sort of downhill from there if you think about it the last thing he did was impart his wisdom uh into luke and then of course in return of the jedi he passes away and becomes one with the force and that's exactly what Luke does. He, at the yeah. end of the film, he, 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 what, instead of imparting his wisdom, he does impart some wisdom to Ray, but more than that, he, he makes a <clears throat> sacrifice through this, this, uh, force projection across the universe. He makes a sacrifice to save all of his, you know, of the resistance members, but also to inspire people all across the galaxy. He became a legend after that. So yeah. his passing, his his legendary status, I think, will inspire more people to do good than he could ever do himself as an individual. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is the ultimate win. And why wouldn't you want that? You know, why wouldn't you want to leave this world, um, leaving your mark and, and help hopefully, you know, challenging and inspiring a new generation to do something uh, more with their lives and to do something good? So, yeah, I know I'm rambling, but it's... Uh, no, it's there, great. Like I said, <laughs> there are so many things I love about this uh, franchise, certainly things I don't, but in the end, it's all Star Wars, and I take the good with the bad. Yeah. And just kind of, you know, I have to come to, to uh, terms with it, just as I've come to terms with the prequel trilogy and accepted the events for what they were. And um, the problem with the prequel trilogy, really, <laughs> for me wasn't so much the story it, uh, it's not 
great. It was really, unfortunately, the the poor acting by so many of the performers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, you know, very wooden performances. They just could have, and the pacing, they just could have done a better job. Um, Lucas, unfortunately, I don't think was the best of directors when it came to directing actors. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they they just there is a missed opportunity on that front. But at the same time, they were, <clears throat> they were films that were necessary. The people forget that as horrible as Jar Jar Binks was as a <laughs> character and even the animation, it was the first fully computer animated character in a movie. Yeah. And that pushed and paved the way for better films to do better jobs <laughs> with that type of, of, and it's uh, evolved throughout throughout all these years. And when you look at the exactly. new movies, you're like, wow, what more imagination or what new things can we offer or see in the new Star Wars movies? Right. But without those first steps in that direction, mm-hmm. whether they were good or bad, um, you wouldn't have the better films that have come since. Yeah. Not just in Star Wars, but in other, you know, other genres and other um, you know, like films like Avatar, where you have the same type of uh, motion, or Lord of the Rings with Gollum. You know, again, Jar Jar Binks started, he was the first character like that. So it's, um, again, it's just sad that they made him out to be such a clown and annoying character that you couldn't stand to watch and listen yeah. to on screen. It's just, what what a what a mistake. I mean, yeah, I, oh, I can't, Gosh. I just can't think of anybody. I don't know if there's anybody that out there that really loves Jar Jar, unless they were like four years old when the movie <laughs> came out and just, you know, thought he was the funniest thing in the world. I mean, that's all I can think of is that they were trying to make a character to make little kids laugh. Yeah, <laughs> that know, was like, just I, too I, like much. Clown and so I, I don't know where or what they were thinking. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But. It's not the actor's fault that no, they no, no, portrayed no. him. It's again, it's not the visual effects artist. They just, it, it was just a miscalculation. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't necessary, and yeah. Oh my god! Unfortunate, but well, Star Wars changes throughout these times, and with the new movies coming out, I'm very looking forward to like what the franchise has to offer, really. Yeah, okay. I am too. I'm, I'm. Hopefully optimistic that we'll get some some really fun and exciting new films that mm-hmm. will explore new new characters, new new planets, and new directions. I just don't I don't know what they're planning, and that's kind of nice. I kind of like that it's possible. Um, and who knows? Maybe you know maybe these films will be better than than the last, and they could also be worse. I mean, yeah. So. Solo is, has been plagued with production problems, as you probably know. I mean, the previous directors were fired after they filmed probably two-thirds of the movie, um, and then they brought in Ron Howard to finish it. So, yeah. you know, who knows? Maybe Ron Howard will salvage it and make it work, and uh, or Fucking maybe it's going it, to yeah. be Yeah, or it could be a big <laughs> mess. I I just, it, only time will tell. Yeah. Well, I mean, that pretty much uh, wraps up my thoughts. Do you have any other idea, thoughts you would like to share? From the... um, well, I'm just trying to think here if we've covered everything. I mean, like, a lot. I, like I, I've really enjoyed listening to, like, what you had to say because, like, a lot of them actually, like, kind of blew my mind and some things I didn't even really think about either. 
but yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think you had good good questions, and we mm-hmm. covered a lot of ground. Uh, yeah, I think we pretty much covered everything we were going to discuss, but like added new things to it. Right. Um, sort of. But anyway, Adam, um, I'm happy to have you a part of my podcast. It was really great having you in it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you uh, you inviting me on. I, <laughs> I had fun talking, and sorry if I rambled on. A no, no, bit. it's hey man, it's fine. I mean, if we if we could have gone like four hours, I would have been fine with listening to like more <laughs> Star Wars. I'm perfectly fine with it. <laughs> but yeah. no, yeah. Um, and also, is there a way that like for any listener in the podcast, a way for people to like communicate with you, like through social media. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm only on Twitter. That's my main or really only, uh, foray into the mm-hmm. social media space. I'm probably one of the only people in the planet, not on Facebook, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I hardly use Twitter. Facebook at all. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm I'm on Twitter. My my handle is at Adam Rakoff, mm-hmm. all one word: A D A M R A C K O F F. And uh, I try to follow everybody that follows me mm-hmm. back. So if you want to follow me, I'll uh, usually if I'm traveling or you know just really busy on a project, because sometimes I go I can go a few days or even a week without checking Twitter as much as um, I would like to. But um, usually if I'm active on it, I will follow you back. And uh-huh. also if you have questions or, or feedback, if you have uh, comments on anything I, I mentioned on this, um, please feel free to ask me or, or reach out to me. Uh, I love having these discussions. I, I really try to respect everybody's opinions and yeah. never, again, try to push my own mm-hmm. um, likes or dislikes on others. So if you disagree with what I said, I, that's totally fine. I, I totally respect because everyone has different tastes. Again, I think that's uh, that's what it comes down to. Everyone likes different foods. Everyone likes different you know, it's, people are attracted to different things. It's just who we are as human beings. So we're we're not always going to all like the same things and we're mm-hmm. not always going to, uh, you know, dislike the same things. So it's just, it, that's what makes um, the world a unique place. So I think it's great that we're having these discussions, these debates, um, as long as they're cordial. And, and uh, you know, what I don't like seeing is all the vitriol that's online with people attacking each other, oh. not just about Star Wars, but, you know, with politics and everything that's yeah. unnecessary and waste it's a waste of time because you're never going to convince somebody that you're right by doing that there's even been studies that something there's something called the the blowback effect which basically says that if you try to um go after someone and tell them you know they're wrong you know that star wars is the last jedi is is the, is the worst movie in the world and, and you know and you you know cite all these reasons why well the blowback effect essentially is this sort of uh psychological thing that states that th- those people in fact are going to dig in deeper and defend what they like or don't like even more that you'll never actually convince them that you're right uh-huh. uh, the same thing with politics you know if you try to tell people, you know, if you hate or love Trump, you know, no one's going to change their opinion just because you start spouting out, yeah. you know, reasons why you believe what you believe. If they like or dislike him, then they're going to feel that way no matter what. And 
all you're going to do is have a fight with no resolution. <laughs> so it's uh, it's just a waste of time, and I'd much rather have constructive conversations than actually having a debate. Because um, frankly, I I enjoy hearing other people's perspectives and mm-hmm. points of view, and um, that's actually something that's very it's a very liberal way of thinking. You know, if you if you actually want to hear the other side's point of view or opinion, that's something that um, that not everyone does. You know, some yeah. people really want to close them. They want to close themselves off from any point of view that differs from their own, and they only want to hear what they what they you know. For example, news people that love Fox News. You know, they only want to hear. Fox News because it supports the beliefs that they have. They don't want to hear news anywhere else because it might contradict what they believe in. So I know I'm going off on a tangent, but that's only <laughs> no, because that's, fine, that's, yeah. only, that's only because I uh, wanted to mention that I I produced a documentary called The Brainwashing of My Dad, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what the film is about. It's about um, politics and the media and how the media can affect us and change us. Um, and it's available on both Hulu and Amazon Prime. Uh, if you have a Prime membership or Hulu account, you can stream it for free. It's also on iTunes if you want to rent it. So um, hopefully your listeners will check it out. It has some animation by Bill Plimpton, and I produced it with um, Matthew Modine, so it's, uh, who also co-narrates the film. So it's a fun film, and it's very educational. Uh, you'll learn a lot about the media and uh, sort of how we got to where we are today with uh, the, the sort of media landscape that we're in right now. So check it out. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, it was hap- I'm happy to have you as a guest on my podcast, and I will probably see you again on the podcast in another episode one day. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think we <coughs> are going to try to schedule – something in the future with uh, Becky Deanna who yeah. jo- joined on many occasions on Long Wheel, another great podcast. So yeah. Hopefully hopefully we'll find a time. Yeah. So for everyone out there, um, this has been an, a good episode of Film Universe covering the old and new Star Wars movies. Um, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Ian Vega Pictures, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and also be sure to check out uh, merchandise sales on Redbubble. You can look up Ian Vega Pictures at Redbubble and see the latest merchandise of iPhone cases, mugs, t-shirts, and hoodies. And be sure to check them out. Also, for an announcement, um, Ian Vega Pictures is announcing that they will that we are creating a channel on YouTube called Cartoon Cosmo, a channel dedicated to young filmmakers who want to create and pitch animated series. So if you are someone in the animation field or anybody who works on screenwriting or anything like that, if you want to pitch your idea to us, go to our Instagram page at Cartoon Cosmo and on Twitter. And if you want to pitch us your idea, be sure to message us and we will um, read your um, pitch to us. And if we like it, then we will green light it and you will be a part of working with us. So this has been an episode of Film Universe starring Adam Rakoff. And I'll see you next time. I'm your host, Ian Vega, and we'll catch you next time. See ya.